Well, hey there, Todd. We're back again, and uh, I really enjoyed, I hope, I feel lots of funeral professionals will enjoy your, your last episode on uh, your funeral education. And again, the thousands and thousands of funeral professionals that you've touched and, and passed on wisdom to and knowledge. Where are we going today in the life and times of Todd Van Beck? Well, I think to uh, start to bring a close to the years with Lowen, there's several personalities that were of significant importance uh, with the Lowen experience. And I'd like to just take a moment now. I mean, there were hundreds of personalities with the Lowen experience. And, and clearly, I mean, the most significant one as a long lasting friendship was Harry Rath. Um, you know, even when Lowen went down, he and I uh, spoke to each other on a weekly basis, um, and I miss him very much even to this day. But there's a couple there that I thought we might take a moment and talk about because people, people, when I go on the road, people will ask me. Uh, they'll go, you know, who, what happened to so and so, and where's so and so, um, and some of these individuals I've lost contact with, but. There are some uh, pieces of information that uh, might be of interest to your listeners on uh, four or five of these individuals, if, uh, if I could have permission to do so. So, the, um, so I get asked a lot about Ray Lowen, about what was he like and what was it like to work with him. And my quick answer, which is always, which is absolutely true, I was terrified of him. Um, in fact, I was able to dodge him on a regular basis at conferences and meetings because I was simply intimidated by him. Now, with that said, that's not his, that was not Ray, that was me, right? Because I was so insecure about this intense environment. Um, and and Ray, Ray was this um, tremendously bright man. Um, you know, he uh, was supremely self-confident. Um, and, you know, he came from a funeral family. Uh, but I never, ever got the feeling from him when I worked with him. And then I'll tell you that, you know, about working with him. I never got the feeling that he really loved the funeral profession. Uh, he was a, I think, a true entrepreneur. And, and what I saw with Ray was, and this is, I read some books on entrepreneurship, and it seems a, a golden thread between them is that they make counter decisions from what everybody's telling them they should do. And their counter decision turns out accurate. The rest of these people had missed it, right? And so you would see this thing uh, at meetings about Ray's vision. They talked about that. They would talk about Ray's vision. Um, and the service principle, 
was the symbol of Lowen Group was the eagle uh, and seven L's, which meant the first seven Lowen funeral homes, um, and talked about the two wings of the eagle, right? Uh, one financial, one service, and that for the eagle to fly properly, they both had to be. Now, now I have to say this. I had heard this analogy a thousand times, all right? Uh, Zig Ziglar used it all the time. Um, other business, uh, Stephen Covey used it constantly, this eagle thing, right? And I remember, to give you an indication of Harry Rath's irreverent humor, we were at a meeting one time in Las Vegas, and Harry and I are sitting together in the ballroom, and they start in on the eagle principle of management, that two wings of an eagle. And Harry leads over to me, and he goes, yeah, but what if the eagle's blind, <laughs> right? What, what, what if the eagle can't see where it's going? And, you know, and, and I got to tell you, in a few years, that was almost an Old Testament prophet, right? I mean, that was like a like Nostradamus kind of stuff, you know? What if the eagle is blind where they can't see? Uh, Ray, Ray uh, let me uh, give you another funny one. Um, he was, I thought, high energy, but I also would say that I didn't think he listened very well. Um, he, he was able to captivate people. He was very, you know, he'd been a politician uh, in uh, British Columbia. He'd been elected to the parliament, uh, you know, the provincial government in uh, British Columbia. He and uh, Peter Heinemann, uh, both Peter Heinemann became the general counsel for Lowen, and uh, Heinemann was a class act gentleman. He died of cancer years ago. Uh, but Ray, so I'll give you an example. I was with him for 10 years, and we go to meetings, and every meeting he would in introduce me as Ronnie Van Dyke, right? I, he, he would butcher my name. Right now, I wasn't the only one that he'd, he'd butcher, right? But his, his attention to human beings, I thought, was, was a little on the limited side at times because he didn't listen well, right? Um, and then if he got angry, uh, he... Um, you know, you know, as I've mentioned this before, the, the joke was, uh, if you get uh, your picture in one annual report at Loan, you won't be in the next one, right? Because you'll be gone. <clears throat> so Ray was this uh, tremendous, and, and here's one he did know. He knew how to make a deal, right? I, when I look at the history of the Loan Group of how that company started off. Now, the timing was just perfect, I think, historically, as we've talked in another segment of this. Uh, but Ray was much writing uh, uh, on a napkin in a bar uh, to consummate the deal. Uh, and he was a person who was very, um, uh, he was a promiser. That if you do, if you sell to us, you'll be your sons, and and they'll get a title, and they'll get this, and it it worked really, really well. 
for for a fairly long time. Uh, but then, you know, you began to see these cracks in the foundation. Uh, and by the time the cracks were noticed uh, by underlings like myself, uh, the, um, the eagle was, was flying blind, uh, there's no doubt. So one of, the, one of the genius things, though, about Ray, and I, would, I don't think I would call him a genius, but he made some tremendously smart moves. And one of the reasons that Lowen took off the way that it did was not just because of Ray's ability to make a deal, but he hired a guy named Tim Hogenkamp. And Tim Hogenkamp came from a funeral family. A part of the family was in Minster, Ohio. In fact, the one nephew was a student of mine down here at the college about three years ago. And then the other Hogenkamp group, Bob Hogenkamp and his uh, very charming wife, Rosemary, ended up in Lima, Ohio. And so Tim was born into this kind of funeral, Ohio funeral thing. And Tim ended up, the first time I met Tim Hogenkamp was 40 years ago. And he was the tour guide. He was the kind of uh, the PR guy. He was the face of the Batesville Casket Company. And, and Tim, and I believe this to this day, he could have been a movie star. He could have been a politician. He had this charisma about him. Uh, he had gold hair. Um, he dressed immaculately. And he went to every convention with Batesville. Now, you know, there was a time that Batesville would have almost a quarter of the convention space because they'd bring 60 caskets. All right, now those days are gone. But Tim would be the guy at the Batesville booth. And, you know, many, 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 many funeral directors swore, and they still do, by the Batesville casket product. And Tim was Mr. Personality. He was, and tell you what, he was a lot of fun. Um, and he knew everybody, right? And that's one of the things about Ray is that he was able, he tapped in, not always successfully, but there were times he'd tap in to precisely the right person, right? And when he approached Tim Hogenkamp about leaving Batesville and joining Lowen. Uh, first, uh, Tim turned him down. And then Tim later told me that he was on his way home and he thought, what the hell am I doing? Uh, and he took the job. And I personally, and I don't think I'm wrong on this, because I kind of had a bird's eye view of what was going on is that much of the acquisitions uh, for the Lowen Group were created, not by Ray Lowen or by the group itself, but it was created by the thousands of relationships uh, 
that Tim Hogenkamp had already established through the Batesville Casket Company uh, by the time he joined Lowen. And that, and I have, I have found this to be true. Funeral directors are relationship-oriented people. Right. I have found that funeral directors are not necessarily driven by the price tag of a product. They will put stock on who they like, who shows them attention, and who gives them good service, and why not. Right. I think that's one of the great things that uh, computer transactions lack. Right. And but funeral directors, I still think, put that. And so, uh, very important. So Tim, uh, and and boy, he just brought that that spree decor of uh, entertainment, uh, fun. Um, you know, he was a very charming uh, man. He had a lovely wife, who was just as uh, star quality as uh, Tim was. Uh, and her dad, who I knew pretty well, was the funeral director in Australia, John Allison. And he was a class act. Boy, John Allison was on top of his game down there. He's kind of an officer in the National Selected Morticians. And so Tim brought a tremendous amount to Lowen. Of course, then at the end, in the late 90s, um, no matter how well liked you were and how popular you were, uh, things were headed. There was a cataclysmic conflict headed. Uh, there was a collision course uh, headed. Another guy at Lowen who was very instrumental uh, was a man named George Amato. And George and I became very good friends. And George was a good, he was the head of corporate development. He was a funeral director, licensed funeral director, and actually had started his career at Frankie Campbell uh, in New York City. And then he got involved with the Arlington Group. He got involved with Sentinel, with Dillis Ward, and uh, who was a great guy. Uh, Dillis was out in California and then went up to uh, Washington. Um, then there was another fellow there named Greg Rawlings, and Greg and I became very, very uh, close associates. I've had dinner at his house on a number of occasions, and what, what Greg was, Greg turned in, evolved into an outstanding uh, manager, right? Operations, he, he, and I remember he got, he got, somebody was on him about, a uh, place out in Los Angeles called Custer Christensen. Now that's part of Anthony Guerra's uh, family uh, company now, but, but 20, 30 years ago, it was Custer Christensen and Honorine Flanagan and her husband, John owned that. And then they sold to Lowen and Custer Christensen was not doing well. And it fell onto Rawlings because he was the, VP of something out West. I can't remember, you know, they're tossing titles around, uh, you know, all over the place. But Rawlings, I remember he was so nerved up about this thing and by God, he turned the thing around. And now it's been years since I've been in contact with him, 
but year, but now he's got his own funeral company. I think he has 60 plus funeral homes in it. Um, so my point being uh, is that Ray had this knack a lot of getting the right people with him. Um, then the downside of it, which we'll talk about in our next segment is with the uh, demise of the Lowen Group. Um, and then, you know, my trip back to Boston after uh, 40 years gone. So, so that's kind of some personalities, uh, Rob, that your listeners might be interested in. Yeah, that was very interesting, Todd. Just to, you know, I've, we've, we've heard the names <clears throat> and from an outsider, you don't really know who's doing what. So it's nice to kind of hear from an insider's perspective of, how you worked with certain individuals and and uh, and where what did they do what was their role and and kind of maybe where they where they are today so well that's great uh, look forward to um, and I think lots of people will look forward to the um, the story of how how everything maybe crumbled and where what happened to that blind eagle so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay uh, until next time Todd. Thanks again. Thank you, Rob.